welcome to another episode of Just Jerry Live, Plotting Perspectives in Church Life with Todd Bryant. And Jeff Short. Jeff Short. How's it going, man? Well, I've been swamped. I mean, I've just been inundated by so many fans uh, wanting to know when the next episode of Just Jerry Live is coming and uh, there's just, you know, demand has been high and just a lot of pressure. So it's been, you know, it's been a trying time to keep up with it all, but, uh, I'm managing somehow. Yeah. I, I keep thinking when is the right time to go full time in just Jerry live? Well, you know, we're pretty, we're probably just on the verge of having to have that conversation. Um, <laughs> it's, it is really close. That's right. That's right. Okay. Serious stuff. Uh, We've got a topic today that honestly is one of the things that I have been asked about as a past, other than some of those quirky questions that you're always getting. This is a topic that I've actually been asked about numerous times as a pastor. I mean, more than I can count. How can I know for sure that I'm saved? And, you know, the question itself is a good question on paper, but just the question almost sounds wrong biblically when I hear it out loud. Right. Because it's, it's am, am I believing that I'm believing, you know, is what that sounds like to me. But anyway, right. let's not jump ahead. <clears throat> so, Is it a good thing to question your salvation? Or perhaps I should say, is it a good thing to test your salvation? Well, we certainly have scripture that tells us to examine ourselves. And so that is a a right and proper thing to do. I don't know that we have scripture that really would lead us in questioning our salvation. I I think those are probably talking about different things. So, you know, for instance, second Peter chapter one, Peter tells those folks that he is writing to that they need to, you know, make their calling and election sure. They need to confirm their calling or election that would be, I think, what people would mean. That's a proper thing to do. Right? Examine whether you are actually in the faith. That's biblical. Right. But people do it the wrong way a lot of times. I do believe that happens. Okay. We'll talk about that here in just a moment. So w- one thing that I've noticed over the years of pastoring is there are certain churches and, and by that, I mean on paper churches that would be very sound, would have a, a good understanding of the gospel and the doctrines pertaining to salvation, but they see a lot of reprofessions. They see a lot of folks that, you know, are you know maybe saved at 25, and at 35 they say, no, I really wouldn't save, so they reprofess, and they may even do it again. I mean, some people are reprofessing faith constantly. Now, if you're really not saved, you do need to be saved. Nobody's suggesting that you shouldn't. But what would be some characteristics of a church 
that may see supposed false professions and it's actually there's a problem in the pulpit or in the Sunday school teacher or something like that? Well, I think first we have to say that false professions are really a, a true thing that happens. Absolutely. There really are people uh, who make false and empty professions, uh, and that could be for a variety of reasons. So that that, that really does exist, um, and so it's something that we do need to be aware of. But I think, and I agree with you, in my experience, I have seen that within certain churches or fellowships of churches, it tends to be um, more endemic than in other places. And it, it's almost like if you're, if you're seeing it enough, and I, I mean, obviously, I, I don't know that we can try to put numbers to something, but I'm just saying if you're seeing that fairly frequently, uh, it, you know, it might be a good idea to see if there's some sort of a systemic problem uh, in the approach. So one that I would see, have seen, would be where you have an understanding of the gospel and you have an understanding that salvation is by grace. So this is not a church that's, you know, that's teaching. You have to be baptized to be saved. You have to do this, that, and the other thing to be saved. It's not a church teaching that. But where you have perhaps an over emphasis on the experience of salvation, you know, that initial conversion as opposed to the perseverance of the saints. Uh, and I think that, that you can have that. And okay. generally... So, so let me just interject real quick. Okay. I, I actually know a man personally who in the presence of a number of people said that he, and by the way, this was in a church that, you know, had the gospel straight, understood those things, said he remembered when he was saved, a cold feeling just went over his entire body. And his assumption was that was the Holy Spirit that was, you know, then taking up the abode inside of him. Well, I've never heard anybody Mm -hmm. else suggest that. And there's nothing like that in the Bible, but, don't you think those other saints, this was, by the way, from a guy that in, in all indications knows the Lord, you know, and, and is, is persistently a, a good church member. But isn't that going to confuse all of the other people who did not have such an experience? Well, I think it does confuse people. And when you emphasize experience, you have to realize, first of all, you know, give me the chapter and verse to turn to for the prescribed experience. Well, it's not there. And we have, actually, when you think about it, we have very few descriptions of any sort of conversion experience um, in terms of, you know, what a person was feeling or, you know, what they experienced in their environment. Obviously, Saul on the road to Damascus, um, would be one example of of an experience like that where we're we're given more, um, but you know 
can you can you give me the conversion experience of John who wrote the Gospel of John? No. Well, it's not in the Bible. Yeah. So and there's nowhere is there a prescribed experience. So there's a very real danger when we place such a heavy emphasis on experience and the kind of, of preaching that's that's constantly aimed at, you know, do you know that you know that you know that you know? Do you know that you know? And and constantly, you know, going over those things. I think it does create an environment that leads to a lot of doubts and a lot of questions and ultimately uh, probably to a number of uh, reprofessions. Yeah, and I, it goes back to what I said earlier. It's do you believe that you believe? Right. But the Bible says nothing about believing that you believe. Right. That that in and, in and of itself is suggesting that there's a feeling that you need to have in order to know that you're saved. If you have to believe that you believe, then you're you're just putting doubts in somebody's mind who actually believes and trusts Jesus Christ for salvation. Right. You just believe the gospel. We we've added a step that's not in the scripture. By the way, I've heard this said a number of times and I've never really gotten a good explanation from it, but what is this, this heart knowledge versus head knowledge salvation that I've heard it many, many times, but I've never heard it biblically explained. Well, I think once again, that comes back to the experience and almost to the emotional aspects um, of being saved. But I mean, I I think that, you know, could you make a distinction about, um, for instance, I had a, uh, school teacher, uh, when I was in Votech in high school and he was very interested in the Bible and, and he liked to discuss it. And after you talked to him a little while, you could tell that he, he had more than just a, a acquaintance with the Bible. He actually had, had read it and knew some things about it. Um, some of the things he thought about it were, were off, but, uh, anyway, I mean, he would, he would just, he would flat out say, well, I, you know, I absolutely believe there's a God and, you know, I believe, uh, that, but, you know, I don't believe in him. That's what he would always, he would say that all the time. I believe there's a God. I'm sure there's a God, uh, you know, that the Bible shows and but i don't believe in him or i don't believe on him or something like that um so i think it's it's an go ahead well i was just gonna say i think it's an effort to try to make a distinction and say that you know salvation is not just memorizing a set of doctrinal answers um and in as far as that goes you know, that's, that's a pretty good thing. I mean, it's, you know, salvation is not, it's not about whether or not you can pass a written test. Um, but again, I fear oftentimes it leads too much toward, you know, the emotional and the experiential side of things. Well, I think so because people begin to ask the question, well, is my faith in my head or is it in my heart? And, you know, one, one thing that I think we need to understand is the the way we use the word heart today is not necessarily the way that the heart was looked at 
by the people in Israel in the Old Testament. Right. You know, they saw the heart as the place that intellectual things happened to. Right. You know, where we may say that's the mind, they would say that's the heart. Not only so, but even in the book of Romans, after Paul has explained all of that grand theology through the first 11 chapters, he talks about the renewal of your mind in Romans 12. So there's something you know, in conversion that happens to the mind, too. It's not that you believe in the heart, but not with the mind. I just don't think we need to separate those necessarily. I, I agree that you don't need to just believe these seven things and you're, you know, you can go to heaven or know how to pass this test. Right. But believing is an intellectual thing too. It's not just the heart. We know in our mind that Jesus is alive and we read the Bible with our mind and pray that our heart is changed by the Holy spirit. So, well, you think about Peter's confession, you know, uh, Jesus asked Peter, you know, who do men say I am? Who do you say I am? Well, you're the Christ. You're the son of the living God. And he says, well, you're blessed because God has revealed this to you. So that was something that Peter knew. You know, that was that was something that he that he recognized. It wasn't just that when he walked along the shore of Galilee, he got that cold feeling, um, cold and tingle, you know, tingly feeling up his spine or something. Um, but he knew that Jesus is the Christ, that he's the son of the living God. I agree. And, and I, I, again, I just think sometimes explanations like that just confuse the crowd, especially if you don't have really a biblical reference to explain what it is you mean by that. You, if you're going to make a statement like that, you are really not doing any favors to the congregation by not explaining what you mean when you say that. Well, I think we would just be really better served if we would just get back to talking about this the way the Bible talks about it. And the Bible never talks about it in those terms of the head knowledge, heart knowledge, and and do you know that you know that you know, and and talking about, you know, the experience and the emotions and and what have you. That's just not the way that the Bible talks about the assurance of salvation. Let me also say, I agree, by the way, let me let me also say, I think another reason that some churches see a lot of, you know, reprofessions of faith, even though they have a strong doctrinal stance on salvation by, you know, grace alone, through faith alone, and Christ alone, the preaching from the pulpit is is heavily moralistic. Right. In other words, it's it's 90%, you got to live this way, you got to do this, and I think because it's it's heavily moralistic and not enough grace. I'm not in any way suggesting grace trumps morals or that we shouldn't preach morals or anything like that. But there is a foundation for teaching that must be in every sermon, and it is that Christ died in the place of sinners, and he is the way into fellowship with God. Right. If we If we give the impression that morals are the way to God, then you have somebody, I'm afraid, who's thinking, man, I don't know if my works are what they need to be. I better change my works in order to get right with God. Right. Or I better change my works in order to find assurance. Well, if you're not cautious, you will at least be having your congregation 
believing in a work salvation practically. Now, they may not believe it on paper, but if you ever get to the point that people are trying to change their their actions in order to be more accepted by God, even if it's for assurance, that's a that's a misunderstanding of the gospel. Absolutely. So you can look too closely at works when seeking assurance. I certainly think so. Okay, I agree. It's not the fundamental thing. I will come back to that question here in just a moment. But first, I want to ask this question. So what should be the primary focus in seeking assurance? Or if you're like like us, you're pastors and you're trying to counsel somebody that's seeking assurance, what should be the primary focus, the primary thing you point them to? Christ. I completely agree. I think that has got to be the place that you fill the mind and the heart with truth. Let's talk about the gospel. And I think we are so quick to run to verifying works in your life that we mislead people almost into a legalistic mindset of assurance. Right. If not worse. So, yes, the gospel should be the primary thing that we drive people to that are seeking assurance. Do you really believe that Christ is who the Scripture says that he is? You know, when I ask that question to people who are struggling with assurance, by and large, they say, my doubt is not in Christ. My doubt is in me. And I'm like, praise the Lord. I mean, (laughs) because the longer you look at you, the more doubts you're going to have. It does not matter how faithful you may be, you are never going to measure up to what the scripture says that we ought to be. Not in this life. No, absolutely not. I mean, as long as you're looking at yourself, you're going to see problems. Um, and this is also is something that I think maybe people don't take into account is that as you are actually maturing, your knowledge of sin and sensitivity to sin is going to be increasing. Absolutely. So, you know, you're once you've walked years down the road, you're going to have a better understanding of what sin is and you should have a greater sensitivity to that sin than you did even at the time that you were saved. So that is actually what we refer to theologically as part of a progressive sanctification that's that's something that should be taking place. And I think that sometimes people don't think to really account for that. But, you know, like you say, they're doubting themselves. Oh, I'm just so sinful, you know, after however many years and, you know, I still become become angry too quickly or whatever that it is. And people look at themselves, oh, you know, I'm I'm just too sinful. And, and I think that that's first and foremost, your eyes are just simply in the wrong place. I mean, I don't see, um, you know, you think about really the whole first epistle of John. Uh, it's written that we might have assurance. I mean, he, that's his stated purpose for writing that letter, um, that we might uh, believe in Jesus and have everlasting life. We might know that. So one of the things he's, he talks about is that even if even if we if our hearts condemn us, that God is greater than our hearts. So the the point is, is that you don't you don't get to pass judgment on yourself. You don't get to do that. God is the judge, and if he if he 
judges you righteous in Christ, then you're righteous in Christ. Um, and that's really where we should be looking. Which is exactly why our focus, when we begin to have doubts about our salvation, we need to run to Christ, not to us. Absolutely. Now, that said, there is a place to examine your works in 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 seeing how you're serving or how how much you may know the Lord. I, I think we could say there is a place to examine. For instance, if you, you know, are lingering in some type of atrocious sin for some long period of time without assurance, ultimately somebody in the church should be coming to you and saying, hey, buddy, you got a problem here and I'm concerned. You know, that's what should right. happen. That we don't have a lot of that in churches today. That's, you know, discipline, discipleship, whatever you want to call it. But there is a place to look at your works, wouldn't you say? Well, absolutely. But there again, it, it's it's tied into this assurance question in a sense that, you know, what's the ground that you're looking on? If if you're if you're looking at your works to give you assurance, you're looking in the wrong place. Um if you're looking at your works to um keep you in fellowship with God, uh, you're looking at the wrong place. Um, you, you have to, you have to understand first and foremost that your salvation is entirely wrapped up in the finished work of Jesus Christ. And so by God's grace through faith accompanied with repentance, we've, you have trusted in, in Jesus Christ. And that means you're united to him and therefore you're the branch, and as long as you abide in the vine, you bring forth fruit. So, yes, we should be examining our works. We should be um, producing fruit, but that that fruit uh, has to come from our abiding in Christ, because otherwise, they're not good works. They're, they're, you have the entire, the entirely wrong motivation, and you're more like those in Matthew seven that want to say. Lord, we've prophesied in your name. We've, you know, we've done many wonderful things in your name. And he says, depart from me. I never knew you. I completely agree. And if you're not careful again, I know we don't mean it this way. A lot of times in churches where the confession of faith is, is good and, and biblical, we still drive people to the idea of a works-based salvation when we drive them straight to their works. Right, And they begin to think, well, I've got to change what I'm doing in order to have assurance. And that is not the way. Now, if you want to serve Christ, you may have to change what you're doing. And again, I'm not, like you say, I'm not against evaluating your works at all. Let me also add this as a parenthesis to where I'm at. You can't do that every single day. I, I mean... <laughs> If, if every day you are doing nothing but evaluating yourself, you're going to be disappointed every single day. But you should, if you've been saved for any period of time, 10 years, for instance, you should see some biblical growth. You should see sure. a, a better worldview. You should see more biblical understanding. You should have read your Bible through eight or 10 times in that length of time. You should be sitting under good preaching. You shouldn't be where you were 10 years ago. And if, if, you know, if there's no growth, there certainly is a cause for concern. But, close parenthesis, still driving people straight to works as the only place to find assurance is just driving them to a place 
where they are ultimately going to believe in salvation by works. Right. You have to be cautious. And by the way, almost every time somebody has come to me about needing assurance, it's been from somebody that I see tons of growth in. Um, most of the time it's been somebody that has grown so much over the past, say, 15 years. And they have the, you know, just the fruit of the spirit just pouring out of them. They're helpful with people. They're loving. They're, they're constantly checking in. They're, they're reading their Bible. They, they know the Lord. They've just interacted with somebody who's told them the wrong thing somewhere. Right. All right. So I, I think we've, we've at least made some some good progress. You got a, you got maybe a book that's good for, for somebody on that. Well, there are a few resources and uh, that I certainly would like to recommend. Um, and, and let me just also say that if you're genuinely wrestling with this question, all right, I'm, I'm not, you know, I can't give you assurance and I would never try to give someone assurance but I would also just would like to point out to you that that's probably a, a good sign in, in the sense that you're, you know, you're wrestling with this question. I, those that I think have really proven out to be false professors, they don't really seem to struggle with that. They don't really seem to be wrestling with, you know, am I really saved? Am I not really saved? Um, that That just doesn't seem to be, on their radar. So I think you can take that as a good sign and, you know, and go to scripture, um, you know, go to Christ. And here's some, uh, a couple of resources that can help. Um, there's a book uh, by John MacArthur and it's a brief little book entitled saved without a doubt. And it, it's going to work. He just works through the the promises of scripture um, there's another book, how can I be sure I'm a Christian by Donald Whitney? And it's another brief book, uh, really, really good. Um, and, and I think, uh, I saw that you put up a review. You read one recently. Why don't you tell us about that one? I did read a book by Greg Gilbert, who is connected with nine marks. I, I really like a lot of what they put out. But it, the book is entitled Assured, and it was just really outstanding. I think it's around 125 pages or something like that. It may be 150, but it, he is constantly driving the reader back to the gospel as the place for assurance. Now, he deals with you know works and, and lifestyle and those things in there, but First John is sort of his outline, and he just uses it to drive a person to Christ, which is again, where we should be driving people. I think we agree there. I would, I would greatly suggest that somebody read that book assured by Greg Gilbert. Could we say that the, we, people need to stop trying to judge the quality of their faith, so to speak, and judge what they believe about Jesus. I mean, it, wouldn't that be much better? Uh, I think that would be much better. Because you're always going to think, well, my faith isn't as good as that guy sitting up there in the front. Oh, sure. I mean, you, you can always find uh, problems, you know, within yourself, within your within your faith, within your thoughts. I mean, you you know, you're always going to be able to find 
problems there. But the, the point Jesus made about is that if you have faith as the grain of a mustard seed, my understanding, having just preached that passage not too long ago, is it's not about the quality of the faith, but it's about the presence of faith. So right. quit judging the quality and start judging what do you actually believe about Jesus? That's such right. a better place to be if you're looking for assurance. Do you have anything more? No, I think that's about all. Sounds great. Well, good Lord willing, we will see you guys next time. Thank you for listening to Just Jerry Live. 